Good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? Doing all right. Half of you good, the other half bad. I'm sorry for those other half, all right? Hey, uh, let me just take a moment, look at the camera. Welcome everyone online. Thanks for joining in. Hey, church family, that's family on the other side of those three cameras. Can we give a round of applause and welcome those online into our service? There you go. We love you guys and checking us out. Well, hey, I get really excited all the time. I'm going to just, I've told you guys several times before, Sunday's my favorite, literally, my favorite day of the week is Sunday morning, because I feel like I finally get to do what God's called me to do. And there's something pretty incredible when you get to live into uh, your calling in life. There is something powerful about that. And um, we get to jump into a brand new teaching series titled Rooted. And um, real quick, I, I've told you guys this before a couple times. Uh, I often get the question, and probably you do as well, what do you do for a living? And uh, I often respond by telling people, it's hard. I'm a trophy husband, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not really. All right. Um, I often say, hey, I, you know, I'm part of <laughs> I know. Shame on me. It's my wife's birthday, by the way. Hey, I am nothing without my wife. Let me say that. All right. Um, and so uh, part of it was I always say, like, man, I, I'm in the business of changing the world. Here we go. And, uh, they're, you know, they, they're a little more interested at that response, right? And so you're able to tell them, like, I'm all involved with people uh, discovering their purpose and finding freedom and then being change agents for this world. And eventually they pin down, like, well, what do you do? What do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, really? And, uh, and it's like, yeah. And then I've told you this before. Everyone changes their attitude and their demeanor around me. Everyone does. You know, they'll tell me where they go to church and how many times and confess to me they haven't been at their church in a while. And it's like, I never asked you any of that. Like, just be with me right in this moment. I know I wear that label, uh, pastor everything. And then they always want to know what church you pastor at and where you're from and all of that. And of course, here in the community, I say, hey, you know, I'm the lead pastor at Life Change. Um, life changed. That's my previous church. Wow, that's been like five years ago, first and foremost. I'm the lead pastor at Radiant Life. There we go. Radiant Life Church in Sturgis. And they're like, yeah, oh, I know that church. That's the church that just wants to get people in and grow real big, don't they? Yes and no. Because I firmly believe if the church is on mission for Jesus, your church will grow. I will firmly stand on that truth. I believe it, because Christ died for the lost, and we're called to reach lost people, everyone. And when we reach lost people, they will eventually make their way into the church building to learn and be trained. I believe it. And no, our idea is not just to get people into radiant life. Our entire idea is to get people rooted in Jesus Christ. So that one day they can grow up and maybe they're over here as a seed and they've never heard about Jesus, but they can get planted and they can grow and become something beautiful to change the world for God's kingdom. That's what Radiant Life is about. It's not just getting people into this box every Sunday morning, although there is something beautiful about that. But we are so much more deeper than that. Deeper. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples, it's the second to last commandment Jesus tells his disciples. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. It's known as the Great Commission. And here's what Jesus tells his guys, his, his 11 disciples at the time. He says this, therefore, go, and what's these two words? Let's say it together. Make disciples 
of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything, not just the things you want to like from God, everything I've commanded you. This is the second to last commandment because the last commandment Jesus will give his disciples is, hey, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And when that happens, then you can go and fulfill the Great Commission. Oftentimes, if you've been around church for a while, when people say, what's the last command Jesus gave? They run to this verse. This is the second to last command given. But there's an idea of making disciples, getting rooted in becoming who Jesus has called us to become. In fact, Jesus was on a plane preaching to the crowds. And this is what he says about this idea found in Luke chapter 6. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Now, in the ancient world, they understood that because rabbis were teachers, and everyone else was a student, or also known as a disciple. And so he's talking in that plane, on, on the planes there, and describing that moment. Hey, guys, if you're going to be like me, you will be fully trained. And how do you know when you're fully trained? You're going to be, and here's the goal of everything, you're going to be like Jesus. How do you know when you're fully trained? You resemble Jesus Christ. You resemble Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to go through a lot of stuff this morning. It's going to be a little longer message than you're used to Ryan giving, okay? Are you guys okay with that? Good. Half of you are ready again. The other half, you're stuck with me. All right, here we go. All right. So, throughout this entire series, we've got three more weeks in this series, you're going to see this about 50 times, this screen, this image right here. So that's our participation screen right here, okay? So I want to give us guidance into where we're going. So every time I said, be reminded, the goal is to what? We're going to read these three words. The goal is to? Yes, you nailed it. Now, that was great. You elevated the bar. I expect you to stay at the bar the whole message, all right? Don't trail off on me. Stay focused. Here we go. But listen, this is total renovation of your mind, your heart, and soul, and your imagination. This is not just painting, throwing paint on the walls of our heart, hoping that we ra randomly look like Jesus. This is total renovation on the inside. Well, Ryan, how do we do it then? How do we become like Jesus? How do you get this through at Radiant Life? Well, I think there are three very, very powerful environments for you and I to get into in order to do the goal. And the goal is to what, friends? Boom, yeah. That's the goal. And so these three environments, real quick, you're going to see this a lot too. And at the end of this series, at the end of October, you may not realize or you may not remember that this series was called Rooted. You may you, the only thing you may realize is the, or remember is the row, the circle, and the chair. You're going to probably remember that. And Jesus models all throughout his ministry. We only get a snippet of Jesus' ministry, three years of his ministry of his life. That's all we get before, he's, before he gets crucified. But Jesus models every single one of these environments. Now, I'm going to briefly talk about the row. The row is what you and I are accustomed to. This is the Sunday morning experience where millions and millions of people across this globe 
meet on Sunday mornings and they sit in a row like you and I, whether it's chairs or pews or whatever it is, this is the Sunday morning experience. This is what probably you and I, we all get. This is what we're doing now. We sing songs, we do worship, and then we hear a teaching from the biblical text and we try to apply it to our, our, our own lives. In fact, Jesus models it, and here's, here's the model. It says this, Then he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, which was their Saturday, by the way, he taught the people. So what was happening here is Jesus on Saturday would go down to their church, which was the Jewish synagogue, uh, synagogue at the time, and they would go in, and Jesus was teaching the people the word. This is what you and I, it's a phrase out there, it's called sage on the stage, where the person comes, and and, in the ancient world, they would do some singing as well, but we get this idea, they're singing, and then there's going to be some sort of teaching from the stage. We understand that. We understand the row. We all are experiencing the row right now, but there's a second powerful environment that Jesus models for us, and it's this model right here. It's the circle. Now, what happens is in the circle are some pretty powerful things. There's things that happen in the circle that just cannot take place in the row. Now, what happens in the circle oftentimes is churches will call this a small group. Here at Radiant Life, we call this life groups. That we have people coming into homes or even in our own rooms here and there throughout this building, and we meet together during the week, but in a smaller circle relationships get built, but the goal is not relationship building. What's the goal again? The goal is to? Boom. But relationships will happen. You may develop friendships out of the circle. And Jesus models this so well for us also. Jesus had a ton of disciples following. Do you you realize that? He has a ton of disciples but 12 were very special. And even Jesus needed a small group that he did life with. In fact, this is written, um, it, it reads this way. One of those days, one of those days, Jesus went out on the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Hold on, time out. The night praying to God. Three minutes and my mind's looking at the rabbits running across the room, right? All night praying. We elevated the bar right there, Jesus. That's incredible. And then look what happens. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. And watch this. He chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. So what's happening here? Again, he had hundreds of disciples. The word disciple means learner. The word apostle, because he's going to designate them as apostles, the word apostle means one who is sent. So what he's doing is he's got a lot of disciples, a lot of learners, because they're trying to figure out, Jesus, you're amazing. Your teachings are incredible. The power of God is on you. You're doing amazing healings. We're here to learn from you. But Jesus, in the midst of it, looks at the crowd of disciples saying, hey, you 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you are going to come and live in my my, my small group now, my inner circle. And now the entire goal of what Jesus is doing with the 12 disciples or again, the apostles, because he is going to anoint them and send them after he's gone. You're going to go birth the church, you 12. I'm going to send you off to go birth the church. And so what is he doing here? He's training them. 
He's training them to look like Jesus now. He's training them to become, what's the goal? To? And that's what he's doing. The circle is a powerful tool in our lives. It's a powerful environment. Because, again, the goal of the circle is not just relationships or I finally found my best friend or met some people at church, which is all great things and probably will come out of a small group. But the goal isn't that. The goal isn't just to walk through life in a small group and sit there and go, man, they they really helped me get through my divorce. They really helped me get through my miscarriage. They really helped me get through financial times. That's not the goal. The goal is to build relationship. But remember, what's the goal? The goal is to? It means this group helped me respond and love my spouse when I didn't want to love my spouse. This group helped me be like Jesus and act like Jesus when I didn't want to act like Jesus. I wanted to throw punch them in Jesus' name. (laughs) This group helped me get through that miscarriage to learn how to trust God and be like Jesus more and more as, as my spouse and I wrestled with losing that child. This group is the one that helped us not get into the financial debt, debt, but be financially, fiscally sound and to be like Jesus, trustworthy with money. That's what this group does. Relationships built? Absolutely. But the goal is, one more time, the goal is to to be like Jesus. And then there's a third and powerful environment. And that's the chair. This environment is just you and God. It's quieting the noise of the day and of the world and sitting back and saying, God, I need you right now. I'm not doing well. I need you more and more right now. In fact, Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, modeled this for us. And it reads this way, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He took a time out from the world, from the mob of people that were following him because of the amazing things that he was doing. He took a time out from the world and got away to a lonely place to be with his heavenly father. If the savior of the world, the son of God needs that, how much more do you and I need that? It's the power of the chair. One of the things that I do in my chair is I'm very, I, I wasn't always this way. And some of you, you're better at the chair moments than I am. But now in my life, I run the chair moment Monday through Sunday, seven days a week. I wasn't always there. I had to gradually build that. But I'm in my chair from about 5.45 to 6.45 every single morning, Monday through Sunday. Unless Saturday I sleep in a little bit, and then whenever I get up, I hop in my chair. But this is the moment where I ask God to fill me, empower me. I need you right now. Because if, I don't need, if, I, if, I, if you don't help me right now, Jesus, I ain't going to be like you. And my, my, my wife needs me to look like you, and my kids need me to look like you right now. I need you. 
Now, again, I do this on vacation. If we go on vacation, I'll have my quiet time. This is what I call the chairman in my life. I call it the quiet time. But the greatest thing that I, the greatest gift I bring to Radiant Life is not my teaching. The greatest gift I bring to Radiant Life is not my leadership ability. The greatest gift I bring to Radiant Life is a spiritual life worth having. And that for me is found in these moments every single day for an hour. I journal, what are you doing, Ryan, the whole time in that hour, which we will talk on the last week of this, of this um, teaching series, what this looks like, and it's going to look different for all of you. But I journal, I worship to too loud of music in my right ear, and I can't hear out of my right ear anymore because that speaker sits right there, can't hear anymore. Um, I read God's Word, I do it twice, I read my heart, my copy Bible, my paper Bible first, and I do some praying and journaling, and then you know what I do? I get on my computer and reread everything I just read in my paper Bible, because I have an um, electronic uh, Bible software program that I get into and dive a little deeper. That's me, because I'm a nerd, all right? But that doesn't work for everyone. But the goal of the chair is to quiet the noise of life and say, God, I need you. The goal of the chair, and remember, is to what, friends? Jesus. To be like Jesus. I'll tell you what, during, when the pandemic was hitting, we were like two months into the thing, I started praying in my, my quiet time in the chair moments. I was like, God, I need the fruits of the Spirit right now. You know, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I was praying for that fruit, but I said, God, I don't want the fruit. I want the biggest, juiciest fruit of those nine traits. Because, Lord, if I got to stay in my house longer with my kids, I need the biggest juice right now, right? You guys, all parents are nodding your head. Y'all know, right? I was praying for the biggest, juiciest fruits of the Spirit in my life. We need all three, and Jesus modeled it for us. Now, let me go back because I want to talk about the row this morning. This is the one that, again, you and I got. Jesus modeled this often when he taught in the crowds, and there was a ton of people. Sure, were they sitting in chairs? No, they were on the hillside. They were in areas like that, sitting on rocks and such things. But here's another example of how Jesus modeled the row. It's found in Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, that's just, it's the Sea of Galilee. It's just called the Lake of Gennesaret because on the east side of the Sea of Galilee is a region called the Gerasenes. And really, it's called a lake because it's fresh body water, not salt water. So I don't even know why we call it the sea in the first place, all right? See, Bible nerd knowledge, y'all just, I have, and there you go. Do with it as you please. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. We understand that. That's like the stage on the stage. It's the, it's the row experience. We understand that, right? The problem was a bunch of people were coming to Jesus, and Jesus is getting a little bit overcrowded. He's like, y'all are getting too close. And he finds Simon, the fisherman, says, hey, let me borrow your boat. So Jesus gets in the boat, pushes off ashore, and Jesus is smart. Because number one, he gets away from people. He's smart. Number two is that he's using the water as an amphitheater for his voice because the masses are coming. Jesus knows what he's doing. And watch. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. It is the row experience, what Jesus is doing. And every Sunday, this is what you and I try to do together, 
Let me show you uh, the beautiful downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan. Beautiful bridges. My wife and I spent five years in this city going to college and then another five years ministering in ministry right by a city right by Grand Rapids. We love downtown Grand Rapids. Beautiful city. This is what we do on Sunday morning, the row. See, we're on this side. And what we do is we try to go into a 2,000-year-old ancient biblical text And we have to cross cultures, we have to cross societies, we have to cross languages and get over 2,000 years ago to try to understand what is the author trying to do. Because remember, your biblical authors have a framework. When your biblical authors are not writing, writing their letter inspired by the Holy Spirit thinking, wow, 21st century, they're going to have Apple's going to be around, they're going to have iPhones and tablets, they're not thinking those things. Right? So we have to jump and cross the bridge into their culture, grab it and understand the meaning, come back to our day, present day, 21st century, and find out how is it relevant for you and I today. And that's what we do every single Sunday together in the row. We try to understand, go into their culture, bring it back to our culture in order to be what, friends? In order to become like Jesus, there are three powerful environments for you and I to get rooted in, to be like Jesus. Okay, Ryan, that's great. I get it. Do the church thing. I already do it. Like, come on, you're preaching to the choir. Isn't the point just coming here? Worship's great. I mean, y'all doing a good job, and the teaching's good sometimes, and it's just, you know, here we go. I'm doing my job, right? No. Because there's a problem. And there's a problem between the row on Sunday morning and Monday morning. We forget. In fact, here's what Jesus, even writing to the people, he's on that plane again. This is what he says. He understands this in Luke chapter 6. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? You're doing all the right things on Sunday morning. The problem is come Monday morning, why aren't you doing what you learned? You're going back to your old self and doing those things. Why? Yeah, you can worship me. Yeah, you can do all that stuff. You call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. In fact, the half-brother of Jesus, a guy by the name of James, writes the letter, writes us a letter found in the New Testament, James, and here's what the half-brother of Jesus says. Do not merely listen to the word, which is the row on Sunday, right? And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. What happens is we deceive ourselves. Something happens between the row on Sunday morning and then come Monday morning. And here's things that we, how we deceive ourselves. We think being here is the point. Let me remind you, being Jesus is the point. It's not just being in a building on Sunday morning. This isn't the church. You're the church. This is a building to get us out of, thank God, the elements today, right? And thank God, we're really happy for this building in the winter months in Michigan. We are very thankful for that. Here's where else we deceive ourselves. We think the goal is information. Ryan, blow me away. I could blow you away with Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, because there's a little bit of that in the Newer Testament. I can blow you away with scuba diving things and cool events. That's all good, but that's not the goal. The goal is transformation. 
that you're being transformed inside and out. That what you do on Sunday morning and what you hear will transform what your Monday morning looks like and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and your Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's transformation. Now, I hear a lot of things, not, I haven't heard it here yet, thank God, at Radiant Life, but I've been in ministry long enough to hear that certain people leave churches for certain reasons, right? A lot of people will say one of the reasons is I'm not getting fed at my church. Maybe because this is missing in your life. You weren't created just for the row on Sunday morning. You need more of this to say, God, meet me on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. We can't hold our breath from Saturday and try to figure out how to deal with life for the next six days. We all need to hear from Jesus. Well, Ryan, I don't know how. We're going to help you on, on the fourth week, on the last Sunday in October. We're going to help you. What does this look like in your life? Ryan, I don't have the knowledge like you do. And many of you have over knowledge than I do, which is awesome. But here, we all have one thing. If you follow Jesus this morning, you have the Holy Spirit, the presence of God inside of you. That's all you need. You don't need Google. You can go to Google, but you need the Holy Spirit and God's Word, and you've got everything for life. I'm going to tell you that right now. You've got everything for transformation. And the guy that's commit, that is sitting there all week long wondering if he should commit suicide does not need to be blown away with Hebrew and Greek. He needs to know that there's a God who loves them and a Savior that can save them from what they want to do. They need transformation. The goal is not information, it's transformation. And oftentimes, we feel that the row, we come in for the hour, we run now about an hour and 10 minutes because we got more time between services to do. For many of us, we deceive ourselves because we think, well, job done. I went to church. Friends, job just started. It just started. When you we leave these doors, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you going to do? What are you going to do what I've learned in the row, and how will it affect the rest of my week? Job just started. And James isn't done. He says, you're going to deceive yourselves. You don't just listen, do it. And then he goes on in verse 23, and anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We have a forgetfulness problem on Sunday morning to Monday morning. And then he closes and says this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives, what's this one word, friends? freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be what? I deeply want you all blessed. We will forfeit freedom and blessing when we forget what is taught on the row. And I don't want freedom and blessing. I don't want that to be robbed from your life. Because the issue, as we sit in the row on Sunday mornings, and then we come over here on Monday morning and we look in the mirror and forget everything. Something happens 
from Sunday morning to the law office on Monday morning. Something happens from Sunday morning to the row to that seventh grade gym class. Something happens from the row on Sunday morning to when you wake up and now you are in your doctor's office or the nurse's office. You, something happens from Sunday to Monday and we forget. There's power in the three environments for you and I to stay rooted and be, what's the goal? Be like Jesus. Now sit back for about seven minutes. You're going to hear a testimony of a couple who came here several years ago and found power of the row. So we're gonna play this video. Hey, bro. 
we're all in this together. How are we gonna make it through? Let's do the best we can. So that's what I learned about it, and I maintain that feeling ever since we've been here. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm being preached at or to. I feel like I'm being led and encouraged and strengthened. How has Sunday worship experience been impactful in your life? It, it seems to completely distract in my life. You know, I mean, the messages always seem to be relevant to, to my walk or mm -hmm. what's going on in my thought. I think Sundays for me are, are great to uh, reconnect, reconnect with uh, our friends, reconnect with good Christian people who love God. You know, that we need that encouragement after spending a week in the world. It's nice to get back to the center and remember where you are and who you are and what your purpose in this world is. How is Sunday morning worship or just corporately worshiping together with others, how has that affected you guys? When I'm around, you know, our friends here and the people here hearing the message and hearing the music and the words and music, it, it's, it makes me centered and focused on God and back to that purpose and it encourages me and it strengthens me and um, you know, I have people that can hold me accountable here, and people that I need to hold accountable and, and encourage and, and help them move along with their walk. So The world pulls us a little off and a little off. And I think the little pulls, they don't feel like much, but we're young in here. God wants more for you. Three powerful environments 
to experience him more. Friends, the row happens every Sunday morning and we get that. But I want to remind you, we need power, not just words. You need the power of God in your life, not just to hear from the sage on the stage. In fact, here's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth who is struggling to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's what, friends? Power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's what? We need more of God. We need more of his power in the row. Listen, my, I pray my words will fall flat if they're from me, but if they're from the spirit, may they touch your spirit. I'm just a vessel. I just want to be used by God. But it's not my words. It's God's power in your life. And we need an experience, not just an explanation. I know, I think we live in a culture today that sits there and says, well, explain your God to me. Right, and we want it. What, I think what we're really saying is, put God into my brain so I can understand him. When I need God to do a miracle, I don't want God to fit in my brain. I, don't want, I want him to do the miraculous. And if I can fit God into my brain, you don't want to serve that God. He's bigger than that. And there are things that we went back and be like, that's faith, I don't get it, but that was God and I am going to trust in this moment. In fact, Jesus wrestled with this when he healed a blind guy. Everyone around the blind guy wanted an explanation, but all the blind guy could say, I had an experience. And in fact, it goes like this, then they turned again to the blind man. Whatever you have to say about him, you need to explain this Jesus guy to us. And here's how the blind man respond. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know about this Jesus, but the one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. We need an experience and not just an explanation. And most importantly, we need God's presence, not just practice, not just emotions, not just going through the motions every Sunday morning in the row. We need to come expecting that you will meet with the presence of God here. Yesterday, late after, or late morning, I was in here just pacing the room. In fact, I was playing the music way too loud. JB came in and he's going like this, way too loud. But that's how I get praying for y'all. And then I paced the room and my prayer for everyone was God that we would come with an expectant heart that you're gonna meet our spirit here today. In fact, Luke writes this in the book of Acts. You have made known to me the paths of life you will fill me with joy in your what, friends? And we need more of God's presence. Friends, the row here at Radiant Life has a purpose. It's not to just gather people, although that is a good thing, but that's not the end goal. We are a community with a purpose. And one more time, what's the goal, friends, to? So Heavenly Father, may we get truly rooted into you. Heavenly Father, would you help us to get rooted 
first and foremost, God, with you. And you know and we know that you will use these three important environments in our lives. That we can be like your son, Jesus, to this world. Help us grow in this series. Whether we think we're a fully grown, mature, giant sequoia tree, or we're just a little baby plant and we know there's growth there, God, we can all take a next step. We can all journey more and more in our faith to look like Jesus more and more. And Father, as I pray, as I close, help us not to deceive ourselves. Help us not to forget, come tomorrow morning, what the row experience was. May we not be forgetful, but may every morning we look in the mirror and say, how can I be more like you, Jesus, today? And we pray this in the incredible, matchless name above all names, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.